What is up, Fat Guy Forum listeners? This is Gourmet with a quick note before we get into this week's episode. A couple things. First, I am very excited that this week, two new things are happening. One, this episode features the updated Fat Guy Forum, Fat Guy 5 questions. Two, if you are a member of the Patreon, the after show starts now. So this week, going forward, will be the brand new Fat Guy Forum after show exclusive to Patreons. So if you are not signed up, Check out the link in the the notes of this episode. Get yourself signed up so you can get access to that extra content involving this show. I'm excited to finally getting it launched and in your hands. So let's move forward with that. That'll be exciting. And if you're not into Patreon and you still want to support the show, don't forget we have the affiliate links in the show notes for Redmond and Kettle and Fire Broths. If you use either of those codes, that helps support us keeping the show on the air as well. So that's all, my friends. Let's get into it. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. We are in the 200s, so hopefully you listened to last week's episode, episode 200. This is episode 201, and I'm excited this week because we're bringing back a guest, and sometimes we bring back guests, and it's been, you know, six months, a year since they've been on the show. This person first appeared on the show in the smack dab in the middle of 2020, so he was actually on the show was less than a year old, and we're coming up on the, the fourth anniversary of the show. So it's been, a, we're almost three years out from his visit. So his name is Jordan Hurd, and he's got quite the story that if you listen to his episode, you can hear, you know, what, where he's been and all of that. But I, I prepped him before we started talking and said, you know, we'll, we'll, get started with a little bit of an elevator speech for people to hear, you know, get caught up on him. And we'll talk about where he's been the past couple of years and all of that. But first, I'm just going to say, Jordan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be back talking with you today. Definitely, definitely. And you reached out and said, I feel like there's more for us to talk about. You know, we could go into almost anything. So I'm excited to have you here, man. Like, let's let's get to it, man. Tell Tell the people a little bit about yourself, you know, what qualified you to be on the Fat Guy Forum in the first place, and, you know, let's let, let get get into it. Well, I've been a, uh, a fat guy my whole life. At my heaviest point, I was 660 pounds, and that was, uh, it'll be four years next week that I went and weighed myself on a truck scale, and I'm living life today in the, right now I'm in the mid-260s. Uh, at my lowest point, I dropped down to 237 and just didn't feel good. And I think I'm at a point now where everything just feels right. Which makes sense, you know, like as much as people can be okay at different sizes and live life and all of those things, like having almost 400 pounds taken off your off your body has to have created a significantly different life for you. Oh, man. You know, 200 pounds ago, and I was still in, in my mid-400s, I thought it was a whole new life. Um, I, I never anticipated or even imagined uh, how much things would be different, you know, in the in the 260s. Uh, and, you know, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, I want to, I, and I want to talk about that. I let, let, Let's let people know, like, you, obviously you don't go, you know, you don't wake up at 660. And then you don't wake up the, you know, go to bed and wake up the next day at 260. So why don't you give people just a little bit of background in terms of like what brought you to that point in your life, you know, four years ago and how you made the change? Well, when I was, when I was still huge and I, I'm hard on myself, I 
huge jumbo. I use all those words and it's, it is what it is. Um, you know, I just kind of ate whatever I wanted, drank whatever I wanted. I'd go to work, come home and park it in front of the TV and eat until it's time for bed. And everything hurt. I got to the point where I was tired of hurting and, you know, did something about it. And in, in 2019, I did the uh, gastric sleeve surgery and started dropping weight down. And I discovered a, a serious love for the gym. And, you know, everything's just kind of evolved from that. And I, I can't imagine life now without, you know, working out or getting up and walking. I can't even imagine just sitting in front of the TV and eating all the time anymore. Which at, at over 600 pounds, there's not much else you can do. No, no. And that, that's all I did. You know, if I was awake, I was eating in front of the TV or at work eating. It, it's yeah, it was, it was not a great existence. And what was life like? Cause you know, one of the things, one of the topics you brought up to me, you know, was talking about, you know, mental health on a weight loss journey. Like, so I'm curious to like, what, what is your perspective on what your mental health was like getting to over 600 pounds? Uh, my mental health was a mess. I, I mean, I was alive, but not really living. Um, there was no, no happiness, no joy. It was just an existence. Uh, even the things that I liked doing, they hurt. And so I didn't really take any joy or happiness out of any of it. It was just, it was an existence. It's, it's the best word there. Like I said, there was no happiness. It was just, it was just a day to day, almost like living in a rut, a really deep rut. And that's probably a really good way to describe it. No, I, I, I certainly think it is. And I know there are people listening and they're saying, okay, if you were just existing, why, why didn't you make change at 440? Five four, you know, four sixty, five sixty. Like, what's what is your perspective on what brought you to the point that you were six hundred and sixty pounds? You know, I I really I really have never put a lot of thought into why it took me so long to change. Um, things didn't really bother me. I never went out in public unless it was to work. I mean, I didn't shop or do anything like that. So. Yeah, I'm, you know, at 450 or, or even 550, I didn't bother me yet. And when I got up into the into the 660s, that's when I realized I, I'm I'm bothering me. I I don't want to die. I want to have a life. And at that point, you know, I didn't even know how much I weighed. I I estimated before I weighed myself that I was in the mid sevens. And, you know, I, I drove one day an hour away from the town I live in to a public truck stop scale where, where nobody would know me and drove my pickup on it, wrote that number down, jumped out, wrote that number down, and then jumped back in so nobody could see me and did the math and figured out how much I weighed. I, I knew then that there was no way I was going to live through things if I didn't make a change. And I think for someone out there listening who you know, here's you talking about, you know, it not, a you know, 450 not affecting you, 550 not affecting you. Like, I don't think there's really a, a perception, you know, people what that when someone gets that heavy and is living that life that, and I've said, how many times have I said this on this show over the past four years? Like, 
when you're when you're getting that big, your world gets really small and you adapt to it. Like it's not just that every day you wake up and you're like, oh, there's these eight million things that I wish I could be doing today, but I can't. So I'm gonna sit and eat and watch TV. It's are it's almost like you said, the rut starts to form where this is just what I do. Yeah. I, I, when I was that big, I didn't even have a desire to do anything. I just got up, took a nap before work, went to work, ate all day, came home, took a nap, woke up, ate some more, went to bed, and just repeated that daily, every day, for weeks, months, years on end. I had zero desire to do anything else. Which I... It was just uh, strange. Yeah, and it's but I 100% relate to it. Like, I, it's... It's one of those things like where you it's it's that flexibility of, of the human brain, you know, the adaptability of, of the human brain. It's like when something becomes too hard, we we kind of take it out of our minds like it becomes too painful. We take it out of our minds like we're very good. Oh, at yeah, We definitely find the path of least resistance. It's going to cause ourselves the least discomfort and pain. And that's the direction we go. And, and it's a, and it's me, like, it yeah. was, no, go ahead. it was that rut where. I don't see people. I don't go places. I don't do things. I went probably 10 years and saw the same seven to 10 people every day, Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, I only saw two or three people. That was my whole existence was those, you know, dozen people. And what was it that made you take that drive to the truck scale? Like what was going on where that had you say, okay, this is enough. Like I need to do something. Well, I had been teaching firearms classes with a friend of mine and realized I really liked doing it. Like I enjoyed it. But that four hours out doing that on a Saturday, it would be Wednesday before I was back to only hurting my regular amount of hurt, if that makes any sense. Those those four days in there, it was like it took my normal nine out of 10 daily pain level and it was like an 18 out of 10 for the next three or four days. And I thought, man, I, this is one thing that I kind of don't mind coming out of the house for, but I can't do it unless I do something. And I, I had no clue where to go away. I knew Horseshoe Bend had a public truck scale and I knew that nobody that I knew would see me standing on this truck scale. And man, it's right on the side of the highway. You're out in the open. So I drove up there and, and did it and, started this whole this whole journey well because that's the, the reality of it it's not like you could even just easily find access to a scale that's going to allow you to you know adequately you know find your weight at that size like i think right now they're they're just the past couple of years now there's scales available on amazon that go up into that range but knowing that they're there and having access and all of those things like having to find a way to get yourself you know, the information. I've, yeah. I'm sure. After I went up and used that truck scale, I, I got online and I spent, geez, I think it was 420 some dollars and bought myself a, a digital scale that goes up to 750 pounds just so I could monitor my progress and make sure I was making progress. Um, you know, before I got to the point of having the, the sleeve surgery, I knew I needed to be able to weigh myself and make sure I was doing the right thing and, and constantly consistently losing. And, and again, I don't, I, I don't want to spend, 
get us get too lost in in things that we've talked about already. But I'm also curious. Like I, I do think it's something that people will be curious about is what what brought you to the decision the decision the decision the decision to have the sleeve surgery. Like wh- why did you decide that that was was the option? I knew I needed a tool. I didn't know what tool. Um, I wasn't sure if I had the mental strength or willpower to start losing weight consistently and being able to maintain keeping it off without some sort of an additional tool to help on the way. And Google was my friend. I just started typing in medical weight loss and eventually came across the bariatric surgery. And so you have the surgery, obviously life-changing. Uh, Absolutely. You know, from from 660 to where you are now. Um, what were, what were the, let, let, you know, let, let's get into kind of the mental side of it. Like, what were the biggest mental challenges as your life started to change? Um, realizing I wasn't four feet wide anymore. Uh, you know, I still struggle with that. A lot of days I get up and look in the mirror and I still see 660 pound Jordan looking back at me. Um, I, I, then I didn't like to be in a crowded room because I felt like I was in the way of everybody. And I still have those days now. I had zero idea going into this whole journey how how much the mental side of things played into everything and how much it would affect me. I thought this was going to be a 100% physical transformation. And man, dumping 400 pounds in four years jacks your mind up in a major way. Uh, You know, I see a counselor now. I probably should have been seeing one then. Uh, But I, I had my procedure done in Mexico. And so the whole counseling and all that stuff wasn't a requirement. The only requirement there was cash up front. And, you know, if I had done it here, I'm sure there would have been counseling beforehand, counseling after. I didn't start seeing a counselor until last summer. So three plus years in. And I I probably didn't do myself any favors by waiting that long. And I think like, cause, cause let's be honest, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't 660. I, I was 540. But I think we both would agree that when you get over 400, over 500, over 600 pounds, there's something else there besides just I like to eat, you know? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's way more than I'm a foodie or this is just my habits or I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't understand calories. Like there, there's a, there's a mental component that there's something's going on in there. Um, whether we want to admit it or not, we we should probably all be talking to somebody. Well, and go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Um, nah, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say like because I think it's, I think it's really you know I one you know you're you're out there on several different social media platforms, so you see what's going on kind of in the health and fitness space. And while there is some talk of of the mental you know the mental side of of what weight loss is, especially what massive weight loss is. I, I think it's almost often more talked about from a, from a perspective of, you know, you need the mental fortitude to do it. You know, it's about mental strength, not necessarily about 
exactly what's going on inside your head and how it got you to the place that you were at and how, you know, what role food really plays in your life and how you're using it and how you're using even, you know, inactivity, you know, as something that allows you to, to not face some things that are going on and, and, you know, whether it's as a coping mechanism or dealing with as a result of trauma or, you know, whatever reasoning it is, like, I, I think we do see people more talking about, you know, you got to change the food you're putting in your body. You got to change the way you move your body and you just got to, you know, have that mental strength to be able to do it. And that's, what's going to get you through. Yeah, I, I agree. That's what almost everybody says. And to a certain extent, I, I agree that you do need that mental strength, but at the same time, man, you need to, find the person you're comfortable talking with and just sit down and have those conversations where the stuff that's bothering you down inside your head that you don't ever share with anybody, let that stuff out. Find that counselor. You're, if you're a religious person, go talk to your priest, your best friend, somebody. There's something inside your mind that led you to do that. And maybe I shouldn't say everybody needs to. For me personally, Talking to my counselor, I feel better. Even if we just sit and have a, a conversation and it doesn't at the time seem like anything important was discussed, I feel better afterwards. I don't have, you know, I don't want to grab eight snickerdoodles and a sugar coffee. I, I just, I don't know if that makes any sense. I just feel better. No, I think it does. And I think, you know, anyone out there listening, like, I think every human being can probably, you know, benefit from those kind of discussions. Like, Absolutely. you know, like this doesn't just have to be you're sitting out there and you have 400 pounds to lose. And we're saying, OK, mental health, you know, taking care of your mental health is a big component of your of your life. Like, but, you know, I it's like one of those things where it's like I'm tr- I'm trying to think of the way the metaphor is described. Like, it, it's like, you know, every you know, every breakfast is a meal, but every meal isn't breakfast. You know, that sort of dichotomy, like, Absolutely. not you know, every person could benefit, you know. If, if yes. you're, if you're every someone, every person could benefit from talking to yes, someone, every person could benefit from someone and it doesn't have to be because of X, Y, and Z issue or, or things along those lines. And, and it also doesn't mean that there's, you know, cause I think sometimes, you know, a big part of losing a massive amount of weight is you're uncovering layers of yourself, you know, literally and, but figuratively, like you're, you're, you're realizing the things that had an impact you know, the way that your weight and the way you were living life has impacted you from a develop, developmental perspective. I was talking that with a guest a couple episodes back, you know, and I was really saying, like, especially if you're someone that grew up big and was always big and just got bigger and or even, you know, got bigger at a later, you know, got late, uh, at a later point in life. Like there are different things that happen in a human being's life, you know, in their development that is just impacted by the, by being, uh, being a bigger size absolutely. during those times. You know, I was always the, the fat kid when I was a kid and grew up being the fat guy and ended up being the, the really fat guy. And now that I'm 260, um, well, air, you know, air quotes, normal size. I, I don't know how to behave some days. Um, it's, it's all new. It's, it's a foreign feeling. You know, sitting down and, and talking with my my counselor about why this feels weird to me. I, I don't understand. And you know, we'll spend an hour and a half, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, okay. I I feel a little more, you know, air, again, air quotes, normal than I did an hour ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And, and I think that is such a big part of it. Like I look at like my own experience, like how, if, you know, when I was at my heaviest and at my worst physically, if when anyone asked me if I thought I was an emotional leader, my answer was always no. You know, I don't, I didn't have a perspective that I was using food in any way. Like there was, whether it was for, you know, avoiding things or pleasure or whatever it was, like I didn't have that perspective. So it wasn't until I changed my relationship with food and changed my body that I started to realize that I had very little handle on intense emotions in terms of being able to process, you know, I would get angry very, very easily. You know, I would get upset very, very easily. And I hadn't realized that I had created this state of emotional numbness. You know, I was unintentionally stoic because of the way I use food. And, you know, completely understand that. Yeah. And we're not, and it's not like we're taught, you know, it's not like as, as adults, we can somehow loop back around and go through that developmental stage again easily. You know, it can take the support of someone on the, uh, who's on the outside. You know, it can take having those discussions where, like you said, you say, I don't understand why I'm feeling this way, or I don't understand why other people react this way. And now I'm in that situation and I don't know how to handle it. Yeah. I didn't realize that I was a stress eater until I started talking to my counselor. One of the first conversations we had, we were talking about things that, that upset me and what I would do. And when I got upset and after about 45 minutes, you know, the light bulb came on. It's like, wow, every time I get obsessed or stressed about something, I want that pizza, cookie, candy, whatever it was. I mean, I was three and a half years into my weight loss before I realized that, wow, that's how I deal with stress. That, huh. I wish I'd have known that 10 years ago. Mm. <laughs> well, but where, where was the impetus before that to learn those lessons? Like, yeah, exactly. It didn't exist for me. And when, when, especially when you're going through the mechanic, you know, I look at it, you know, from my experience losing weight and regaining it all, like I did no work on the mental side that during that, that trip, quote unquote trip, you know, I didn't examine how I was feeling, you know, why I was reacting in different situations. You know, I just expected that the physical change I white knuckled myself through would bring me to that place where I would understand everything. And you eventually realize that there's more, you know, like, and I'm sure you agree with this. Like you start to realize that there's so much more there to work on. There's so much more there to dive into. And, you know, so I, I'm curious, like knowing that, you know, you, you started working with a counselor three and a half years into your weight loss, like you had made the physical change. What have been, what have been some of the big discoveries, you know, things that you're, you know, I'm obviously not going to put you on the spot until you have to share every intimate personal detail, you know, it's your level of disclosure, but what are things, you know, or even in general, like lessons that you've learned since you started working with someone? Um, we've been working pretty hard and, and my wife works with me at this, with me on this as well. Um, just socializing. Cause I still tend to, I still tend to have a very tight group of people that, that I can deal with and not feel stressed out and I want to, you know, retreat to food or something. Uh, we work on that quite a bit and, you know, just, just trying to figure out, I don't relax well. And I didn't even know that was a thing until I started seeing my counselor, but we're, we're working on, you know, you know stress and uh, relaxation issues and, and just trying to be more of a people person 
which is going to help me feel better, but it's also going to help me out in, in business. And, you know, since I'm teaching things and I don't, I don't feel the stress of being with people when I'm in a classroom situation, but as soon as we're out of there, I'm like, man, all these people here, I should probably stop on the way home and get a bag of chips or something. Mm. Yeah. We're, we're just little things like that. Every yeah. stuff that is everyday life, uh, seems like I'm having to relearn it, but it, it, I think it's helping. Yeah. Well, this is going to be my next question. Like, what is it like, you know, learning those lessons, like doing that now? Like, how does that feel for you? It, it feels all, all new. Uh, I, I kind of, most days feel like, wow, I should have learned this 40 years ago. Uh, it, it's, I, you know, it's, it's hard to describe. Um, yeah, just everyday life. It, it seems like I'm having to relearn everything that we learned as a child or an adolescent. I learned it being the overweight guy who tried to stay out of the way and didn't want to be seen. And now I'm trying to relearn it to be a, a, a member of society and in, you know, the groups of people that I, I socialize with. It's almost like starting over again. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm no, kind of it, rambling, but no, it does. It does because I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that when you are a, a significantly overweight person, you know, this you were talking earlier, you know, jumbo huge. Like, there's so many different words we can use. Like, and you just try to, you know, and I use all properly. of them. I'm hard <laughs> but, on myself. But when when that is the life that you've lived for most of your life, there were lessons that were that we were and. And I'm not saying this for every person, you know, every every person that, you know, hits a certain weight or anything along those lines. But there are those of us out there that went through life and literally there were times where we there were lessons we should have been learning, but we were probably too busy obsessing about food or eating or looking for an opportunity for it or stuck in the rut you were talking about. You know, watching TV, playing video games, whatever it is, you know, and so and a person doesn't have to be significantly overweight to have that happen. But I'm just saying there's a commonality of experience that I've heard so many times on this show where a person comes through that experience and it's almost like sometimes like and I don't know if if this resonates with you, like when you learn, make those simple connections that you haven't made before. Like that's when you, like you were talking about, like, why didn't I know this 40 years ago? Why didn't I know this 30 years ago? Yeah. Why did it take me so long to learn this? And that can also lead to some mental challenge, you know, some mental health challenges because then you start to get stuck in that like cycle of regret and that pit of, well, you know, how many years did I spend wasting because I never made these connections? Absolutely. And that, you know, that's just another one of the things that I work on with my counselors is getting past the the regret of the way I did things, but you know it's it's all it's all tied together and it's all getting fixed. Hopefully, yeah. No, I think it, it's almost like we have to unlearn yeah one complete life of of habits and how we did things, and then relearn everything. Well, especially when you're a person, if if you're someone you know using food from a stress eating perspective or as a coping mechanism that becomes a well-worn path in your brain and changing that path is probably one of the hardest parts of, of weight loss and maintaining weight loss, you know, getting out of those habits, getting, and it's not just a habit like, 
oh, now I, you know, now I like to, to, to journal or I walk to work, you know, like it, it's not a, there's not a simple me- mechanistic quality to it sometimes. Like it really is about, because you can feel, you know, and I don't, and, and again, you can, you can tell me if this resonates with you or not, but you know, something I talk with clients a lot about and is they feel like they've put all this work in on changing those habits and changing those mental pathways. And then a situation happens and they feel like they've done no work. They're right back in that place of feeling that desire to eat when they're stressed out or hurt or afraid of something, you know, like those things. And Oh, absolutely. I, I feel those things when something comes up that stresses me out. My first reaction is still to retreat to the kitchen and make it feel better. And uh, yeah, mm. I, don't, I, hope, I don't know if we ever all get all the way past that. Well, I think I think a big part of it, it's it's I don't know if know if it ever 100 percent goes away. But I think because one of the things I think we also do when that happens is we then beat ourselves up more because I, yeah, and I, I do that. I'm hard on myself because like, think about it, like you're you're 260 pound Jordan, like you're reacting to something the way 660 pound Jordan did. And in our heads, we're in this place of I'm a completely different person now. I shouldn't be reacting that way. Why is this happening? Like, have I not done anything? Instead of realizing, wow, I did. I reacted that way for decades, and I'm expecting four in four years for those things to automatically be gone. Yeah, and that's and just not fair. Here. You know, that's you know where we would say to someone if someone else like you said that to me, I would say, you know, Jordan, it's not fair for you to beat yourself up. Like, give yourself some grace. But when it's we're experiencing it ourselves, it's really hard for us to turn those words around and say, hey. It might take me some, t- you know, if it takes me years to be able to to work through this, that's okay, because I've been doing it the other way for years. Yeah, I, I did it the other way for a lifetime, and now, at least now, I realize I'm doing it. Uh, you know, before this all started, I didn't realize. You know, I would be three quarters of a container of Oreos through things, and go, hmm, why don't I still? I still don't feel good. Why not? Maybe I should finish these. <laughs> well, it's like, you you know, is there, you know, one is, one is too little and a hundred is never enough. Like, you know, there's no, when you're, when we're using food or any substance for something that it's not intended for, it's never going to do the thing that we're trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to force, you know, a, a square block of food into a round hole. Like it's just never going to happen. But we're good at trying and, but I think you hit on something really big there. And, you know, I hope people listening are, cause I do feel like, you know, in some ways we're, we're jumping around in, in some really great ways, like to talk about, well, all I'm all this. over like, the place, <laughs> but it's okay because, you know, I, I think one of the things you hit on there is one of the big differences is you're mindful of it. Now you're aware yeah. of it happening. And I think that's a stage of that development, you know, a big stage of the development when, and that's, and it's one of the things like I have one-on-one discussions with clients all the time about how it's almost like things get harder when you become aware of them and you're still working on changing them because now the behavior, because now the behavior, the behavior is there and you're aware of what it's doing to you and you're still struggling with the behavior. So now it's like, it, now it's like you, you see the, you know, the lights are on in the car that's coming out your head on down the street instead of it being in the dark and you don't know what's there and you're still trying to get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. And I make- realize I'm doing it. I know I shouldn't be doing it. And then I'm mad at myself for doing it. Mm-hmm. 
it's yeah, working on it though. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's a big part of what this is. Like it's letting, because I think from the outside, like we could put up a before and after picture, you know, the cover art of the episode, we'll, you know, put up a before and after picture. Right and on. there are some people that would just look at it at that level and say, that guy clearly has gotten everything together. You know, not that I'm saying you haven't gotten things together, but <laughs> you know, that the work is done. You know, he clearly has done what he needs to do. You know, he's found a, a weight where his body feels good and moves good. And he has a, a newfound love of working out and, you know, all of these pieces and is aware of what his nutrition needs to be like. And so clearly he has done all the work and that's great. Whereas yeah, it, there's it really looks more like layers that, but to there's it. There's lots yeah. left. Right. There's more layer there's way more layers to it. And it's it's one of those challenges because there are other people that may be listening to this show that have dealt with mental challenges, you know, emotional challenges, and it never manifested it, you know, as a physical thing for them in terms of their weight or anything along those lines. But that's one of the things when, you know, we are larger people. Sometimes we're manifesting, and again, I feel like this is when people are going to get mad at me. Like, I'm not saying every person that is 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 overweight is is wearing their their mental baggage, you know, on the outside. But when we make change, there's an assumption that any of the challenges we were facing are gone. When the reality is, the challenges your body can change. The challenges are still going to be there. The work still needs to be done, you know. And part of it too is is you know, I feel like this could be a whole other tangent, but we have as a cult, as human beings, we have an obsession with there being a starting point and an end point for, for things. You know, there's a finish line to the race when the reality that's, that's is the way everybody looks at things, whether they want to admit it or not. Right. There's point A and point B and it's getting to point B. And you and I'm sure you'll validate this, even though. You can get the scale to point B. The your the human being that's standing on that scale is going to be running this race for the rest of his life. Absolutely, there there is no end to this race. And the perspective, yeah, and the perspective shift has to be that running the race isn't a bad thing. No, it's it's not. It's you know just a, another life to adapt to and learn how to get comfortable in your own skin and your own mind. Yeah. It's yeah. And being, and being okay with the work that it takes to live life. Absolutely. You know, because I'm not saying the life of someone who's 660 pounds is easy, but decision wise, choice wise, you know, all of, you know, those kind of struggles, a lot of, th we, we make things easy, you know, for us, like you said, you know, I'm going to get up, I'm going to watch TV and eat, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to come home and I'm going to watch TV and eat again, you know. And I think, you know, from just from, you know, having talked to over, you know, at this this point, 100, over 170 different people on this show, just the people on the show, like when we talk about life before they made changes, it wasn't like there was a lot of there wasn't as much decision fatigue as there is when you're making changes to your health, you know, because I knew you know, Friday night was pizza night and Saturday night was Chinese night. And like, you know, you get oh, into man, your patterns. Taco Tuesday. Right, right. <laughs> but when you're working through making change, it's like now I'm having to make decisions all day long. You know, 
there's mental fatigue there. It's, ex- it's mentally exhausting. It's also why like, you know, we, you know, when we talk about people being on, you know, very long weight loss journeys, you know, there are times where they need to take breaks from focusing on weight loss and focus on maintenance for a bit to give their body a chance to relax, but it's also about giving your mind a chance to relax. And that's not a stopping what you're doing, you know, discussion. That's a, okay, I need to be able to give myself something else to focus on. So I'm going to keep everything where it is right now, you know, just to give me that chance to take a breath because weight loss and physical change and those things are exhausting. And if it's exhausting for someone that has 50 pounds to lose, imagine what it's like, you know, and you don't have to imagine this. I don't have to imagine this, what it's like for someone with 300, 400, 500 pounds to lose. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm going to get into that maintenance stage here in a couple of weeks, I think, and just kind of step back, maintain my calories where I'm at, maybe not hit the gym six days a week, slide back to three or four, and just try and give myself a chance to relax and let everything, uh, let everything heal and feel normal for a while. And then probably go back and hit things hard again. And, you know, after eight or 10 weeks, I think I'm about due for just some, some chill time, if that makes any sense. No, it a hundred percent does. You know, I have a, I have a friend, uh, Willie Gillis, who was on this show, uh, previously. And I actually just started following him on social media. And one of the things that Willie is great at is knowing that for his body and for his mental health, that he can focus on weight loss for a certain amount of time. And then he needs to move into, even if he's not at his weight loss goal, he moves into a maintenance phase for a certain amount of time because he's not only giving his you know body a physical break, but he knows from a mental health perspective, this is what, you know, this is the way for him to play the long game and, you know, to keep going. And that sense of sustainability is so important. And it's not something we think about when we're in the race mentality. You know, the, I, I spend way too much time in that race mindset. I have a, a very bad habit of pushing myself physically until things are borderline injured and I have to take some time down. So I'm going to try this time to stop before I get to that point, take those few weeks, rest, recuperate, and then hit hard again. See how that works for me. And from your perspective, what, cause I think, you know, I could keep, I can keep talking and rambling, but I, you know, and talk, tell stories about other people, but like from your perspective, Jordan, like what do you think it is that keeps that race mentality in place for you? Um, the, the fear of being 660 again, um, you know, I still have, I still have nightmares where I wake up in the middle of the night and think I've gained all my weight back and that'll happen three or four nights. And then I'm in the gym seven days a week instead of six. Uh, you know, it's just all, I shouldn't say all, I have a, a lot of fear of gaining all the weight back and losing the life that I have now. And so I push myself physically to a point where things break. Um, and that's, you know, it's just another one of the mental things I need to work on, but that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at these days. I, I get stressed out and fear of gaining and hit things really hard. And can I ask, stop that. Did, did, did that fear come up at all when you were talking about, you know, shifting into a maintenance phase? 
it, it did the first time I thought about it. And it, it, I, you know, I've talked about it with a couple of friends and, and they, they all seem to agree that I need to stop before I push myself to an injury this time. And then I'm forced to take instead of six to 10 weeks or eight to 10 weeks, I'm forced to take three or four months to let things heal. Those three to four month breaks um, are very hard on me mentally when I don't have any choice but to sit and relax and try to let things heal. I don't do well. My mind spins out. And so we're going to try the stop before I hurt myself and make myself relax, if that makes sense. No. Well, there's a difference between being forced to do something and doing it with intentionality. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. I think I had 12 weeks after uh, my last surgery where I couldn't lift anything more than a gallon of milk. And I did okay for, let's say, six to eight weeks. And the last four weeks, I was climbing the walls in the house. I need to be in the gym. I need to be out doing things. I, I don't do well when I'm forced to uh, sit and not move. Well, because you did that for so long. Yeah. You know, and it, so it, it frightens me now to just sit. Yeah. Well, and that's what it is. Like, and it, it is, you know, I think it plays into this mental and physical dysmorphia, you know, that we go through you know, when we've lost weight and the idea that that behavior is associated with when you were heavier and when life was smaller and you couldn't do things. So even just the behavior, even though you're doing it with a, a health purpose in mind, you know, can be a frightening thing because it's like, well, what if, you know, it's, it's all the possibilities and all the what ifs. And, you know, and when we're, when we've struggled with weight before and lost weight and put it back on and, and been through those places, like, those fears are valid. You know, our fears are always valid, but those fears are valid yes. because we've seen them play out. Yes. And when you're explaining the fears of weight gain to somebody who's never had those issues before and they don't understand, it, it, it seems to me anyway that that just makes it worse in my mind because they don't understand. Um, it, it, it seems to... It seems to me anyway, a lot easier to explain fears of, of, of weight gain to people who've had weight issues. They don't seem to think you're quite so crazy when you're explaining it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's because they, they have that perspective of all you needed to do. Again, it goes back to that. All you needed to do was change what you were eating and change how you were moving. And that fixed yes. everything for you. Yeah, I completely agree. And that doesn't come from a place of not caring or not trying to understand. It's it's just unless you've been in that place, you can't understand. It's the same thing when I've talked, you know, I've had guests on the show like yourself that have lost, you know, in the neighborhood of 400 pounds. I've had guests on the show that have lost 40 pounds and changed their lives. And yeah, as it's, each struggle is individual and it can feel just as hard, there is a difference between losing 400 pounds and losing 40 pounds. Absolutely. And somebody who's never had to lose 250, 350, 400 pounds, it's, they don't understand. It's a completely different thing than having to lose 50 pounds. And it's not like, a knock know, on them. It's not a knock. It's not saying they're inval- their thoughts and feelings are invalid or anything at all. No, absolutely it, not. It's just saying, you know, it's acknowledging that experience can be very different. And the challenges are very different. You know, it's the same thing with, you know, I see it all the time, you know, 
health influencers and weight loss influencers saying like, throw the scale away. Don't ever pay attention to your weight. Just pay attention to what you're eating and, and your activity and your weight will respond. And they don't understand that there are times where when your weight is so is so significant, if I get, is that a nice way of, of saying that you're, you know, extremely overweight, you're a significant individual. Um, when you're someone who has 400 pounds to lose, if you're just going by how I'm, how you're feeling, you don't feel good. You know, no, at, no. At, at 600 pounds, at 500 pounds, when you change what you eat and you start to get active, things are going to eventually feel better. But there's going to be a, a long period of time where things still feel like hot garbage every day. Absolutely. You know, the pain is I still mean, there. And at times the pain is worse, whether it's the emotional pain of losing that that thing that you, you were using to handle emotions or starting to get physically active, you know it's like you feel worse before you feel better. So if during that time, seeing the scale move helps you continue to stay on, on track, then I, I don't, I don't think there's a bad thing there. I don't think that's an obsession. Like, like everything, every tool can be used improperly. So understanding, you know, someone might not understand that a person needs a different tool at a different time. No, when I was new at working out and changing the way I was eating, the, pain and frustration of not being able to grab whatever I wanted to eat. And then the physical pain of working out between those two, there was a lot of times where I just wanted to quit and be done, but stepping on the scale and saying, Oh, I did three pounds yesterday. Um, made it a heck of a lot easier to deal with all that pain. And, you know, I'm, I'm four years in now and I've just in the last couple of months gotten to where I don't weigh myself daily. I'm, I'm now to the point where I, every couple of weeks I'll step on and just make sure everything is maintaining well. And I'm, I'm within about a three and a half, four pound margin. But like I said, that's, it, it took me a long time to get to this point. Now I, I really don't care what the scale has to say, but I, I still check it every couple of weeks. And that speaks to how things evolve. Absolutely. You know, things evolve, things change. Our relationship with the scale changes. And our relationship with our bodies changes. Our relationship with food changes. Like, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's an evolution that, you know, almost every person on a similar journey goes through in terms of realizing there are different times where you put the focus on different things. And well, I, I like it, the evolution. That's a, a great way to describe this whole journey. It, it is absolutely an evolution. Because you're oh, the same, awesome. you're the same person. It's just that things, you know, in a lot of ways, things have evolved and changed and grown and you're going through growth that other people may have gone through, you know, when they were 20 to 30 years younger, you know, it's absolutely, it's okay. No, I, I really, I really like that. I'm totally using that from now on. <laughs> I, you are more than welcome to take it and run with it, man. Um, so Jordan, let, let's talk a little bit about what life is like, you know, we're, we've been talking about the, you know, working with a counselor and, in kind of the mental, some of the mental health challenges, you know, or mental challenges, a better way to phrase it now, like what in general, like what, what is life like for Jordan now versus, you know, when you started this four years ago? Um, life is amazing now. I reconnected with uh, a friend that I've known since I was six years old. And we've actually been married about a year and a half now. I went from just 
me and a dog to uh i have two stepchildren and a grandson nice um it's it's a life that i never thought i would have mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I never imagined uh being this happy or having this life and without without the whole weight loss thing starting four years ago i there's no way i would be here now mm-hmm. I, I don't know the life could really be any better these days that that's i'm, I'm happy in a way that yeah. i didn't know i could be that's awesome to hear man and you know we 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 were talking before we started recording you're pretty sore right now oh man <laughs> because because working out has you know become an integral part of your life absolutely Five or six days a week, most of the time. Uh, once in a while, the, you know, my mind gets to me, and it's seven days. But I, I try to be in the gym a minimum of five days. Mm-hmm. Um, lifting makes me feel better most of the time, and a lot of times it really seems to clear my mind. And uh, you know, I, I never, I never anticipated how much I would enjoy being there. I still wish they didn't have all the mirrors. I can live without that, mm. but uh, I I definitely definitely feel better on the days I work out. And what from right after you had surgery to now, like how has your relationship with food evolved? Um, right after surgery, I was super super strict about everything I ate, and I would actually, you know, if there was a food in the house that I didn't think I should be around, I would get up and leave. Um, you know, I, I went to almost a no carb diet for a long time after I was back on solid foods. And I've gotten to a point now where I've worked rice and occasionally pasta back into my diet. Um, my carb count is still super low compared to most people, but I, I, I don't deny myself things anymore. If there's a family occasion and there's cake, well, you know, I'll have half a piece of cake. Or my family loves to go out and eat. I will go out and have, you know, a, a, a part of a portion of something. I don't deny myself things anymore. Um, it, it, I'm careful about what I eat, but at the same time, I will eat. I, I don't know how to explain it. I'll eat a little bit of everything, but I don't get carried away on anything. It's a lot more, it's a lot easier to deal with now than it was right after my surgery. I was super concerned after surgery about only putting in protein and vegetables. I have to have all the protein and some vegetables. And now if the family wants to go out and have Italian, well, that's fine. I'll have a little bit of Italian. I'll have a little bit of whatever, you know. Um, I'm very lucky that the family is pretty supportive and we don't do a lot of get togethers where there's absolutely nothing healthy. (laughs) Somebody always makes something that's, uh, you know, there's always grilled chicken of some sort just for me. (laughs) No, for sure. Well, and, and that's a question I think people might be wondering, you know, especially if they listen to your first episode, you know, what do you have, do you still have physical restrictions four years out from the surgery? Um, not many. I still only eat about six to eight ounces uh, per meal. Anything over about eight ounces and it, it 
I feel too full and a, a little a little discomfort. And I still didn't do anything carbonated. Bubbles don't play well with my stomach since the sleeve. So I just avoid them. I don't do sodas or fizzy drinks of any sort. Um, I've tried a few times and the bubbles just, it causes pain. I, I, I don't like it, so I don't do it. But other than that, I do pretty well. Um, I have to be very careful with fried foods. I had to have a, an emergency gallbladder surgery a couple of years ago. And so between my sleeve and the no gallbladder, fried foods are not my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes sense. But other than that, I'm, I don't really have any problems. I can have a little bit of, of pretty much anything I want. But like I said, I'm very careful about what I do eat. Hmm. Which is, it, it, you know, I ask it out of a curiosity because I think often, you know, and even when we first spoke, you were uh, around, you know, a, it might have been like a year, you know, a little over a year out from your surgery. Mm-hmm. Like, so now we're, yeah, I think so. you know, so now we're a couple of years later. So it's always interesting just to, because I think that's something sometimes people don't think about, you know, is where, you know, where does it go from, you know, you get, you, you hear a lot people talk about, you know, first year after surgery being like the kind of the big window of time, you know, when people have, yeah. you know, more restriction and kind of the, the opportunity is there, you know, for massive change. You know, but just even seeing kind of like how things evolve when you're you're several years out, I think is is fascinating. Yeah, I uh, what I think is a fairly normal diet. Like I say, I don't really restrict too much. Um, it's definitely more normal looking than it was my first year. Uh, you know, that first year, if it, it, I had a set in my mind, I can eat this, and if there was anything outside of that, we'll call it a menu that I had set in my mind, I didn't have any part of it. And I'm a lot more relaxed about things now, mm. but it's all working out. No, it definitely sounds like it is, man. Jordan, you know, we, we've we've started to throw the word evolution in there for you. Like thinking about how, you know, life has evolved over the past four years and now you're, fa- you know, looking ahead. What are, what are the biggest challenges that you're working on now? Um, the biggest thing right now is just getting past all of the the mental things I'm having to to relearn to to live my life. Um, I I feel like I've got all the physical stuff, uh, you know, under control. I've got a good hand on all that, and it's just learning to deal with uh, mental things. Uh, you know, the fact that I don't have to stop and look at every chair that I think about sitting on and wonder whether or not it's going to hold me up. Um, because I I still do that. I I you know I go places and and everybody in the, that I'm with will sit down and I'm still standing there looking at the chair. They're like, what are you doing? Oh, I, I was curious if that was going to hold me up. They're like, dude, you're not 600 pounds anymore. Sit down. I, well, I, I, I realize I'm not, but I still have to stop and think about everything I sit on. Um, I, I still get a little freaked out going in the store and realizing I can buy clothes in a store. Uh, you know, for I don't, at least 10 years, anything I wore came out of a, a DXL catalog or uh, uh, what's that other jip joint? King, king size. size. I was going to say king oh, size. I, yeah, I, I hate those guys. <laughs> they're well, they are literally, <laughs> you know, D, DXL, you know, you go in DXL, you know, especially you look at their stuff now and they've got, they've got some major name brands in there now for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. But oh, king yeah. size was I'm always <laughs> like 
the only like I just remember, you know, at my heaviest king size was my only option because DXL, it was casual male XL back then. Yeah, I didn't fit in anything that they had. So no, me neither. King size was the only option. And of course, you know, and again, this is this is when I start to sound like a I start to sound like a crotchety old man. Like back in my day, you were talking <laughs> six to eight weeks for delivery. And, oh, yeah. you know, there was no two. You know, there was no paying for a, a four day upgrade or anything along those lines. And when the clothes arrived, there was no consistency. So and, and there was no way to, you know, there's something incredible to, to, to the experience of buying clothes in a store. Even, even if you're someone who was too big for DXL and you can go into DXL now, like being able to physically feel the quality of something before you buy it is oh, yeah. possibly one of the most life-changing changing experiences of weight loss. Like being able to say, okay, that because you know this is being a, a king size buyer, you get some of those shirts and, and they were as thin as a napkin. Like oh, the jeans were even worse. Oh yeah, like quality was and horrible. Expensive, holy cow. <laughs> hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I just remember surfing their, you know, trying to surf their sales. Like, is there any, you know? And also, again, now again, the crotchety old man. There was no websites going on back in the day, so. You, you'd get the catalog and you'd see something on sale and be like, okay, I can afford that. And you'd call them to order it and it's out of stock. You know, now obviously you click on a website, you can see if something's available or not, but life. And life, good luck getting off their mailing list. Uh, well, I still get their catalog about every two weeks. <laughs> oh yeah. That something, you know, I, that I, I still love when I get like random, you know, especially it's, it's around the, the big sale times of the years when you get emails from them you get or from restaurants and things along those lines. And I'm like, how many of these mailing lists were I on? Was I on? Oh yeah. That I clearly haven't been active on. So they're sending me their one time a year email, hoping that people are coming back. Like, okay. Oh yeah. You get the, Hey, we've missed you email mm-hmm. from the Chinese buffet. So, oh. No, 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 <laughs> not falling for that one. <laughs> well, they're running, they're, they're going out of business now, you know, like they're, yeah. they're they've lost their, their literal biggest customers. Like that's, well, they need to branch out then. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm not. I'm not that concerned. You know, I'm not losing any nope. sleep over it for sure, man. Well, Jordan, I have really enjoyed this discussion, and and I honestly like it's hitting in my head. I'm like, I feel like we could go on for another hour and talk. <clears throat> excuse me. Pick your brain and let you know. Have you let people know what it was like navigating the world? You know, at 660 pounds. Like, I don't think there's often. You know, I. It's when I talk to guests that have been you know, of that size of 450, 500, 600 pounds, like understanding the the amount of mental bandwidth it took up just navigating the world at that size. Absolutely. You know, having that relief, if nothing else comes from making changes, just having that relief, you know, is, is an incredible blessing. It, It is an incredible blessing for sure. And man, as, as you continue to evolve, if people want to keep up with you, I appreciate you coming back on the show. But I don't think this this show should be the only place, you know, is going to be the only place where people can hear from you. Where can they find you these days? Um, mostly on Instagram. It's just at Jordan Hurd. I'm not sure what name is actually on my Facebook right now. I, I've been deleted off of Facebook so many times. I don't even know what email is on there. Um, I'm fairly conservative and a big Second Amendment supporter. And I'm not really careful of what I say about things. And they've deleted me so many times. I don't even... I think if you just search Jordan Hurd, I'll come up on there somewhere. <laughs> but those are the two big ones. There you go, man. There you go. 
Well, Jordan, I have really appreciated you taking the time to sit down with me again and talk about, you know, where where things have been since we last talked. And also, I think we got into some things that we probably talked about, you know, from different perspectives before. Absolutely. So, it's been a, a great conversation. For sure, man. And for those of you listening who want to hear more from Jordan, obviously, I'm going to put his information in the show notes, but he is going to be joining me on the Patreon after show right after we wrap this up. So, you know, make sure you're signed up for the Patreon if you want to hear that. And I did want to throw out there in case people didn't realize when you were signed up for the Patreon after show, you don't have to listen to it on the Patreon website. You get a private RSS feed in your email that you can plug into any podcast service like your Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anything, and it will play those episodes for you right where you listen to everything else. So check that out if you are interested in that. Jordan, I end every episode with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. They've probably changed a little bit if they even existed back when you first came on the show. Are you ready for your run through them? Let's have it. Okay. So question number one, Jordan, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Um, I, I honestly don't really have a favorite fat guy anymore. All of my favorite fat guys um, have lost the weight. Hey, I like it. Um, you know, it's the, the people that I admire in, in our community, you know, yourself, um, Poro and uh, John Arpino, you, you know, these you three guys inspire me to do more and work harder and try to help other people. That's my best answer for that question. I like it, man. I like it. Question number two, Jordan, what is something about yourself that you love? Um, I'm pretty in love with my life right now. Mm. Like I said a while ago, I'm, I'm at a place with a family that I never thought I would be at ever. Mm. And I, I'm very, very happy. I love that, man. And that's a powerful change, like, because I think often we, you know, we get into our heads that there are things that we want in our lives that we're never going to get. And we just accept that they're not possible, you know, and you're, you're a living example of, of that, that change being possible. I had completely accepted that I would never have a family and I would mm -hmm. die alone. And now here I am. I understand that completely, man. and love it. Jordan, question number three. Looking at your journey as it has evolved, what has been the most important new habit that you've built? Um, learning to believe in myself. Mm. I still struggle with it, but I'm much better about it. Um, believing that I can accomplish the physical things. Mm -hmm. Believing that I can get the mental issues under control and taken care of and just live my life. Learning to believe in me. And man, it's, it's a struggle. Whether anybody wants to admit it or not, that's that's a hard thing for a lot of us to do. It's a struggle, but it's a valid. It's it's a worth it struggle. Absolutely, one hundred percent, man. Jordan, question number four: What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Uh, I formed an LLC a few months ago, and I'm working on getting my own business up and running. Nice. I ultimately like to not work for somebody else anymore. That's awesome, man. I have, I have no doubts in you, you making that happen. That's awesome. Thank you. And question number five, Jordan, if you could go back and talk to 660 pound Jordan and, and give him one message, what would that be? Take more pictures. I regret now not having more before pictures. I have like 
five that I keep recycling on, you know, transformation Tuesdays and throwback Thursdays. I, I spent years and years and years. If I saw a camera come out, I left. And I wish now I had taken pictures and saved some of those memories from people who aren't around anymore. Mm -hmm. So even if you're still struggling with weight, take those pictures, make those memories, keep those memories. I, I, I was, you know, right at the end there, you hit it. Like, I think that's a powerful thing for people to hear. Like we, we may not always be comfortable in front of a camera, but there will be a day where you wish you had taken that picture with someone or you wish you had been captured in that moment. Like, Absolutely. Some people in our life are going to at some point not be in our life anymore. Mm -hmm. And you're going to wish you had those memories. For sure. So just take the pictures. I love that, man. Jordan, thank you again for being on the show today. I look forward to talking to you on the after show, but I just want to say a big thank you for coming out, sharing what you have, what you've been doing, you know, especially over this past, you know, year, you know, getting into diving into, into the mental side of things. I appreciate you opening up and sharing about that with everyone. Thank you for having me on today. I, I appreciate you. For sure, man. Thank you. Jordan's info will be in the show notes, people. You can always connect with me on Instagram as well at Gourmet Goes Keto on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at the fat guy forum at gmail.com. You can keep up with what I'm doing. Otherwise, you know, at the ketoroad.com. I've got recipes that I'm sharing on there, blogs, and obviously information about coaching. And hey, <clears throat> if you're not a Patreon, and you know, I say this in the show introduction, I do want to say, don't worry about joining Patreon if you can't. Use the links in the sh in the the show notes. You know, check out those those products that I have affiliate codes for. They're all things that I use. But they are they are the items that help me generate the revenue that keeps this show going. So I would appreciate it if you check out Redmond, Kettle and Fire Broth, Meter Thermometers. You know, they're 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 good companies that I trust and am glad to bring those discounts to you. So check that all out. Connect with Jordan. Do something today to amaze yourselves because you're the most amazing people I know. Then come on back and catch us here on the very next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Mm -hmm.